What's up, guys? My name is Luke Mindpower. I'm a motivational coach and speaker and your host of this amazing podcast. Welcome to the Luke's Mind Power podcast. This is your place for positive energy, real deep self-awareness and success tips and strategies for you to live your most successful life ever. And I mean that. I'm not playing games. You'll find me either speaking on my own or having an amazing guest to share their story. So inspiration is just a few seconds away. Let's get straight into it. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Luke's Mind Power podcast. I am your host, Luke Mind Power. It's a blessing to be here with you guys again. I hope you're having a great day. If you're not, I hope that this podcast episode inspires you, uplifts your spirit. I have an amazing guest with me today, someone who I've been connected with through social media for quite some time, but I've never actually had the opportunity to sit down with her and get to know her a little bit better. So I'd like to introduce you to Alexandra. She's from Romania. Welcome to the podcast, Alexandra. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So let's say, for example, uh, we met at a conference and I came up to you and I said, hey, how you doing? I'm Luke. I'm a motivational coach from Australia. Who are you and what, what do you do? Well, I would say, hey, I'm Alexandra and I do quite a few different things, but my main two areas would be consultant in the business world, mainly online business, uh, personal development and course building because we seem to to change the future of education right now. And I love that because I learned a lot of stuff on my own. And the second piece would be I am a love relationship and sexpert coach. And that's the more exciting piece that everyone wants to hear about, because it's something I've been passionate about since probably high school, but never even imagined it could be something I could take on for the future until someone even pointed it out. I mentioned something about relationships and intimacy, and it was a girlfriend from high school. And she said, oh, this is so you you've always been all about this. And then it hit me. I was like, that's true. I'm outspoken. I can tackle taboo subjects. I'm very direct and I'm not shy about anything that has to do with our sexuality, with our intimacy or relationships. So there I am. Now I'm also coaching there. That's awesome. Well, guess what, guys, you're listening to this. Guess what this episode is going to be about? No, but seriously, like I've been, I've been witnessing your journey as well over the last couple of years um, and on Instagram and seeing like the content that you create. And a lot of it is very outspoken. It is about sexuality. It is about sensuality. It is about, uh, you know, um, your sovereignty and, and like expressing yourself. So I know that there's that other side to you as well in business and personal development and stuff like that. But I think, as you said, you know, it's a taboo subject. It's not something that a lot of people are comfortable in speaking about or hearing. And I was thinking about this before, you know, we got on to, to do this podcast and, and I was like, yeah, like, why are we so afraid to talk about sex? Why are we so afraid to talk about something that's so natural? Right? It's like we're afraid to talk about orgasms or what happens during sex or, you know, how you feel and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, what's your opinion on that? Why are we, why are we, why have we been programmed like that? Mm, that's a really good question. And I think it could be answered in multiple stages. But if we were to boil it down, I would say it's all about power and fear. Mm. It, I mean, I can look back and I have my own little theories, but we know about the witches. And I think those were powerful women 
who were probably very intuitive, very sensual and sexual, and they could probably be really good at reading people's body language and micro expressions. And they were communicating with nature because they spent a lot of time in nature. So they understood herbs and they understood weather. So now they pose the threat. Who can hold so much power? And those around them felt that somehow, you know, when you're so afraid of something, you're going to try and get on top of it before you're thinking it's going to get the best of you. So probably they just posed a threat and people said, oh, they're witches. They work with the devil. So kill them because they knew something and they, they tapped into a power that not a lot of them understood or knew how to use it for good. We look at sexual abuse. What is that? It's power. It's manipulation. It's controlling someone through the best part of us. Because if we look at all the species on the planet, they're just a handful that have pleasure, that can experience pleasure and deal with all that the body can offer. So when you recognize, and I love this thing from Tantra, is your sexual energy is your life force. We come to exist through sex and sexual energy. We wouldn't be here without creating life. And how do species or even like anything create life is through the combination of two beings, through sex, through intercourse. So to me, it's all about fear because we don't understand it. We may think that it, it just will turn into something bad or just power. We wanna control something that is very powerful. But people are attached to the privacy of it, right? Because it's like we're wearing clothes, right? Because we don't want to show our body. So where we're already programmed in that sense to be, hey, I don't, I'm scared, I'm I'm hiding me. So it's also like that in the in the mindset of, you know, this is a private thing that only happens in the bedroom and you're not allowed to talk about it. Yes. And where did that come from? I mean, I don't want to go into a conversation about religion or society and, and education and whatnot, but to me, all these things came down again from controlling something. Mm. Because what if we never had the awareness that we are naked? What we, if we never felt that we are too exposed or that showing our body is something bad or wrong? Where did that come from? I mean, I would love sometimes to have a time machine and just go back and see how things came to be. Because if you wouldn't have the awareness of your nakedness, you probably wouldn't be shy about it. And then we look at countries, certain European countries that don't care about nudity as much. You have nude beaches, you have public beaches where women are topless and no one looks and says, oh my God, they're showing their breasts, right? Then you have the polarity of men and women. A man can be shirtless walking down the street. I mean, I live in Romania, I've, see, I've seen it many times, right? But then you look at other countries where not even men can show part of their skin. And then you look at all the meaning that people put onto. We go back to the geisha time, right? Like when a geisha showed her wrist, it was like the most sensual thing ever or showed her neck it's the meaning that we place on, on certain things and again you don't have to expose your whole life to people it's funny you mentioned about social media people see me on instagram on facebook on tiktok now youtube they see a part of me 
they don't get to see my whole life. It's impossible to see my whole life. You don't get to see me being tired or you don't get to see me being sad or crying. Maybe if I would put that out there, but you also don't get to see my 24 hour. And I do many things and I'm many things. It's not like I'm hiding, but I choose to display a certain part. Like Instagram, my Instagram is mainly dedicated now to sexuality, intimacy, relationships and stuff like that, because I want to talk about that. I want to make my Instagram the focus of this area. I could do an Instagram all about business and personal development and creating courses. So I choose what I show out there. It's impossible for me to show everything because it would take a long time to show all parts of me and we all have different parts. So you choose what you show. Absolutely. Uh, Alexandra, I've saw one of your recent posts. I don't know if it was on TikTok or Instagram and it was about a female being a queen, showing up as a queen and Mm -hmm. she is rejecting or not allowing um, herself to to engage in in sex or being intimate with a partner because of something that he did wrong or something like that i'm not sure what it was exactly um but i think you know what i'm talking about and then you were like well you're not being a queen if you're refusing um refusing you're holding resentment towards your partner that's not being a queen exactly and i love that yeah, There's can you, can you go in deep with that? Like, so because I'm sure people will hear this and be like, "Yeah, this is this is powerful stuff." And it's not like when I talk about these things, I want to make a little a notice. It's not that I'm trying to shame anyone, no men or women. I I like to think that women have a lot to learn about themselves because I went through that experience. But I also believe men have to learn a lot about themselves, and then we have to learn a lot about each other because we come from different perspectives. So I've seen this trend where now women are queens, we're so empowered and we get to choose our own story and our own chapters and our own relationships and everything. But then I've seen a lot of women putting barriers and even more blocks because of this whole queen status. And I cannot agree with the fact that if you're a queen, now you look down on other people. A queen wouldn't do that. If you're a queen now, you have this space where no one can touch you unless it's another queen or another king. Before you reach that status or that level as a being, you have to go through many things. And a queen, if we were to think of an actual queen, she used to go down to the village. She used to, like a Romanian queen, Queen Maria, she was a nurse in the war at one point or some sort of fight. And she was working with people on the front. And we look at the kings and and all the things that truly happened it was not easy to be in that position. You had a responsibility towards the people around you. And in fact, the queen or king used to put themselves last in their whole community or their whole country. So to me, a queen would not dismiss a man right away. We believe nowadays that a lot of men are toxic, which I mentioned to you before, but they're not. We just misunderstand each other. And a lot of women, or a lot of men may think that a lot of women are crazy or moody or whatever. We're not, we just do not understand the space we come from. So to be a queen, you dive deep and you know yourself and you become patient. You become understanding. You become curious. Is it truly the reality that I think it is or do I have more to learn about this? 
And I don't hold back when it comes to exploring my own sexuality, exploring relationships, exploring my mind, exploring my emotions. Women and men may want the same thing. We want a relationship. We want great sex life. We want whatever. But we come at it from different angles. So a queen gets to learn about herself, know herself really well, spoke up for herself without being um, overpowering for those around, but at the same time understands the others, is patient enough to sit and listen, to, to see other people for who they are. So in the interaction of a queen and a king or a man and a woman, you as a woman understand that you think in a certain way, you have diffused awareness. You can see many things in your environment when a man could see only one because of a single focused mindset. You also have emotions that are heightened by your thoughts and thoughts and scenarios created that are heightened by emotions. Men have a hard time diving deep into their emotions because they need more space to actually think, process their emotions decide what they can share and they cannot, because if they don't have a space that feels safe, they won't do that. Why men lie? Because they've had in their past or through experience, women who used their emotions or vulnerability against them. So then you're like, oh, men lie all the time or men want sex all the time and nothing else. Women go and request intimacy through bonding and connection and, and um, through emotions men request intimacy through sex we both get the same thing but in different ways and we understand it differently now when you open a man to the bond of emotions and connection and then his intimacy expands he will see things differently when you open a woman to the sexual pleasures and the sexual experience that she can actually allow herself to receive her intimacy expands. So we have to come from that space of openness. I think that's the challenging part, being open, mm. being vulnerable, opening your heart, dropping the ego and saying, hey, uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, in a relation. And I think that's, the, that's a deeper one for me. And now I'm, it's making sense that a lot of us, and this is what I coach about, is having a relationship with yourself having a loving relationship with yourself, accepting yourself for who you are, um, having this deeper connection from uh, a level of awareness of, uh, you know, for example, communication with yourself. I like to talk to myself a lot, right? Mm. Ver verbally, I like to look at myself in the mirror and be my own number one fan. You know, I'm my own best friend, right? Um, and vulnerability for me is the secret. It's my superpower. Because I've learned that, you know, in the past, my communication was not on point. I, I, I was afraid to speak. I was afraid to communicate. I was afraid to show emotion or show what I'm really feeling because I was afraid of other people's opinions, other people's judgments, and what people would then feel if I did what was right for me. So I was basically afraid to live my truth. In turn, what I'm doing is I'm disrespecting myself because I'm not honoring my emotions and feelings and what I should be doing. So the ego for me was a massive, massive thing in the past. And it wasn't until I started to love myself, not be in a relationship, start being in a relationship with myself, that I started to open up, right? And, and, and move past the fear and 
and those thoughts that were limiting me, you know? Um, oh, yeah. So I think that's the bigger part for most, for males, I believe, is mm -hmm. to build a powerful connection with loving yourself and, and, and being very self-aware of your thoughts and, and your ego, because the ego is so fucking strong. And a lot of people are still living in that ego space. And it's very controlling. If you're not aware of it, then it's, um, it's very challenging for you to be open because you want to present yourself with that dominance. You don't want to show yourself as being, because it, it's called being small, for example, if you start being open and emotional. Yeah. Yeah. And you brought up a good point. I mean, I want, at least for myself, to live in authenticity yes. as much as I can. Because at times, there are times when, again, a little insecurity or a fear would pop up, and then I'm not my most authentic. And I'm aware of that, even though in the moment, maybe I'm not, but I do come back to it because I like to think of why did I make this choice? Why did I say these things? Why did I say yes when I wanted to say no? Why did I say no when I said yes? Like I always like to go back through these things and I, I've said it many, many times. True intimacy starts with I. We build the most deep intimate connection with ourselves. It's impossible for your relationships not to shift. It's impossible for your experience not to change. As a woman, if you get to know your body so well and so deep and you get to know all the pleasure that it holds, it's impossible not to have an even better experience with your partner because now you're aware, like when your awareness is open, you will be able not only to receive more pleasure, but to give more pleasure. And every time I mention Tantra, people associated with Kama Sutra, it was a big hype back in the day. And it was all about that aspect of life. But Tantra started with non-sexual practices. And it was about a way of living. And a way of living in full presence and in awe of everything around you. And in Tantra, before the whole sexual aspect came to be, it was about meditation, it was about breath work, it was about being present, it was about watching what you eat to keep your body healthy, it was about the rest, the self-care, the self-love, all those elements that how often do we pay attention to? I'm going to bring something up. Um, I don't know how many people talk about this, but a woman's menstruation, her cycle, a lot of the times I grew up with not like, you don't talk about this thing. You don't talk to men about these things. And it's funny, the other day, someone asked me to, to hang out and he's like, can we hang out? I haven't seen you in a while, I wanna talk. And I say, you know what? I'm actually waiting to get my menstruation and I feel a little off and my body doesn't feel the best, I'm tired. So let's do it another time. He's like, I can't believe you just told me that. And I'm like, why would I not tell you? I want to be authentic and tell you, I'm not saying no, not to hang out. I'm not rejecting you, but I want to be authentic to me. And I want to listen to my body who tells me you need to rest. You need to spend some time on your own. And how often do women do that? We're so busy and so quick to do it all, to be the male of our life, where now I cannot be into my essence, my feminine essence. And I've observed my body this past week and I have certain aches and pains and like bloatiness and I certain pains that come at night and I'm like, 
I, I don't always observe this because I'm too busy doing other things and I don't pay attention. But when I slow down and I'm in present with myself, I'm like, oh, okay. I can tell anything and everything that happens with my body before it does, because your body will tell you the same with a relationship, the same with the interaction with a partner, be a male or female, regardless of your preference. If you are fully present and aware and you live in that present moment, your relationship will have things that will kind of let you know so you get prepared. Passion, desire, attraction, they don't last forever. They fade with time. They're not meant to last forever. It would be exhausting to have all those feelings and excitement and butterflies. It would be so exhausting. You need a time to rest and breathe. So long-term relationships, when people, oh, I'm not feeling attracted to my partner today, or I don't feel the same desire for them. Maybe we're not meant to be anymore. Maybe we should break up. <gasps> this just tells you, you reached another phase of your relationship, a comfortable phase, a phase where desire and passion are not the, the front of your relationship. Now respect, appreciation, deeper love comes into play. You can always ignite your flame of passion and desire with little exercises. Do some role-playing. Pretend you're actually going out for the first time. Ask your partner to go outside the house. You get ready. And then he comes at the door and picks you up or she comes at the door and picks you up. Like the first date. I guarantee you, your, your emotions will spark. Your passion will feel different. Have them bring some flowers and not tell you where you're going. So you're surprised or book a hotel in your own city and pretend you're like somewhere away and you meet at the hotel and you're like, there's so much you could do to spark passion and desire in a very long-term relationship. I follow many people in this area of life because I love this aspect. And I heard a woman say, I've had four different relationships with the same person. <laughs> because you change over yeah, time. I love Partner it. And you evolve and you grow. And at some point, your relationship or past relationship dies. It, it just ends. Either you decide to take some space, recalibrate, come back and build a new relationship, or you choose to completely separate. And then maybe later on, you'll regret it. So that's, I think, nowadays people rush, rush too much. Don't live in the present, in the authenticity, in their own intimate relationship to recognize Today, I need to be on my own. This weekend, I'm going to take time to myself without freaking out that I'm alone or single or that I don't talk to anyone. I've done silent retreats where you don't speak for 10 days. You shouldn't even look at the people in the retreat with you. And it was the most mind-blowing experience because my mind was like a mile, a minute, a second I've observed myself in a ways I would never observe myself now with all the chatter, the music, the TV, the friends. No, in that jungle in Malaysia, 10 days not talking and just meditating and just hearing the, the nature around, I was like, whoa, my mind is all over the place. Thoughts with fire like crazy and random thoughts and weird thoughts. And then my body shifted. I had such an orgasmic experience just by sitting there and meditating and focusing on my body and what I'm feeling, the wind or the breeze or whatever. And I've had such an intense moment of being aware 
how at the top of my head, the sensation started and it went all the way to the bottom of my feet and then it was fading. So to be in that state, like I don't think I can ever explain to anyone unless they go in it. I can only tell you that I ever had an experience like that when I was reaching puberty. <laughs> That's really? for real. How yeah, for real. Like I remember walking to back home from school and I had this massive rush of energy like through my body and I was like, what the hell is going on? You know, um, so I'm, I'm imagining what you were feeling, but I just want to go back to what you were talking about before in terms of being open and vulnerable and authentic and all that kind of stuff. Because for anyone who's listening, if your mind just, just didn't open right there to what Alexandra was saying, then uh, you need to turn this podcast off because, <laughs> because that was some powerful shit, like what you were saying. And it's so, so true. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was just sitting here and I was just like, damn, yeah, this is uh, my mind is expanding. <laughs> um, so it's really great what you're saying. But yeah, moving on to this like silent retreat. I mean, I've done meditation and I understand it. And, you know, you really does bring you back to the present moment and you become more aware of your thoughts. And I can only imagine the impact that it would have on you to actually go through an exercise like that where you do not communicate, you do not talk, um, you try no. not to look at anyone. Um, so basically, you're basically what you're doing. It's extraordinary, actually, what you're sharing, because you've just experienced um, a, an, an exercise where you're actually taking your power back from the world. Uh -huh. Right? You're not interacting, you're not being influenced, you're only being with you. Oh, yeah. Because I, I, what's that? It's not easy. No, I know, but this is the thing because we're pro we're used to it, right? Where this is a paradigm that we've created over our whole journey of life with our external reality, with everything around us, with the people, with media, with social media, with you know everything that's not us. So we're used to communicating, but to stop and just be with your thoughts and to be quiet <laughs> and go inward and stop so the noise. So tell, tell us a little bit about a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, when I went and I did the first one, because silent retreats are free, right? If you go through the Vipassana meditation, it's free. It's all volunteers that do that. You can donate and stuff. So you have to do 10 days. There's no way that you could do less because it's a whole process. And day one, day two, day three, they all have their own purpose. And then you start feeling the effects and then you start going deeper in a day five to six onward. In the first four days, you don't even do the actual meditation that they teach you. You do breath work meditation. They make you tune back into your body so deeply and they make you aware. Like it was so funny for me because I worked in Mind Valley and I had all kinds of courses and meditation and yoga and all that. But in this experience, I had to go and observe a very small portion of my face, which was my nose with my breath. And it got smaller and smaller till day four. You just had to be aware of your nose at the, the entrance where your breath comes in and out and to observe what happens in that area. Like it was the most tough thing for me to just be focused on a very small concentrated part of the body and then from there they teach you the whole meditation and what vipassana is all about and you have lectures you listen and every single day felt like they knew what you're experiencing because they've done it so many times they know what people are going through and people quit 
even before reaching halfway through, people quit because the journey inward is probably the most difficult journey. You have to sit there and be with your own thoughts. And our thoughts can be so destructive and so insecure and fearful and damaging without us even realizing. How often do we put ourselves down? How often do we talk stupid things about ourselves? How often do we treat ourselves bad in our own head? Not to mention treating our own body with the improper food, with unhealthy choices, even when it comes to relationships or sexuality. So being there with yourself, only your thoughts, your emotions and what's going on. I had thoughts. I'm like, I don't know if I can finish these 10 days. I'm like, this is tough. I'm someone who thinks a lot and communicates, especially at work. So not talking was not hard, was the thought, the chatter, the mm -hmm. inner experience that was the hardest thing for me. Because I can be around the house all by myself for like weeks on end. I work online. I don't talk to anyone if I want to. But the thing that was going inside was the most crazy intense experience. But as soon as I hit day six, I felt so liberated, so much more aware and in tune with what's holding me back or causing me not to take care of myself fully, not to fully love myself, or why am I making certain decisions that are not healthy for me? And I wanted to share it with everyone. I was like, I want to go out and tell everyone about this and everyone should do it. And I've done it after again on a shorter period of time because I couldn't take 10 days off work. But after the first session, your, your body shifts. And it may not be for everyone, but I would say everyone should experience it at least once. I'm a very active person mentally. So to be secluded a lot, a, a lot of the times doesn't work for me. It's in, it's in my detriment. But certain periods of moments, tuning back in, it's perfect. And your whole body changes. Orgasmic experiences without physical touch like you don't know what you experience. Some people had spiritual enlightenment, awakening. Some people had physical ones. So you have to experience it for yourself and you have to stick with it because if you're able to do that journey within and inward, you'll be able to do a journey talking and communicating hard things with a partner or with a family member. You'll be able to be patient towards coworkers because you're like, oh, if I think all of this, what other people are thinking. If I'm experiencing all of this, I wonder what others are going through because we all go through pretty much the same thing in different, <laughs> different stages or, or levels of intensity, but we all have insecurities and worries and trauma and baggage. So when you become aware of your stuff, you're like so much more compassionate mm. towards others. Yeah. Even compassionate towards those who harm with intention of harming because they teach you to share love to all beings, even those who harm you. But with a little caveat, you don't have to put yourself in harm's way to still feel compassion and love for those who harm intentionally. So in relationships, you don't have to stay in a harmful relationship to still care for someone or be loving towards them you can take care of yourself first and you should always take care of your safety first and then from distance you can care and love and have compassion for those who are harmful with intent powerful stuff 
What's up guys? Just a quick info check about my motivational life coaching that I offer. Now look, we all have a story and we've all been through tough stuff, even myself. So that's why I now offer my service as a coach to assist you in living your most successful life ever. I'm here to help you heal your pain and to teach you to love yourself again. So if you're interested to see if you qualify to be part of my coaching program, click the link in the show notes and book your 30-minute complimentary power session to see if you're a good fit. Spots are limited. The only thing we can ever be afraid of in life is that we allowed our past pain and trauma to manipulate our mind and make us doubt ourselves. You have unlimited potential and I'm here to help you achieve that. So click below or visit lukemindpower.com. Your new life awaits. Now, let's get back to the podcast. Really? There's so many things. It's it's not easy. I mean, for for you to explain it like that, I know people are probably listening going, wow, you know, that's a lot of information to take in and it's a lot of... uh, uh, experiences that have actually evolved from it for different people, not from you, yourself. You have your own, you know, whether it's orgasmic experience, you said spiritual experiences. So everybody's going to have something different. But um, but I think, again, it's out of your comfort zone. It's something completely different. And it's really taking yourself back into a connection with yourself because you're doing something that you would never, ever do normally. Like I went to the Shaolin Temple and lived in in China um, learning Kung Fu for three and a half months. And uh, I think about myself being there and it changed my life. You know, meditation was something that for me, it's still not a massive thing that I do all the time. I do have moments where I, I do guided meditation and stuff like that, but I got to, that was heightened and I became more aware and understanding of uh, how it works and experiencing it in uh, a temple um, doing their practices and living as a warrior Buddhist monk, um, you know, heightened my awareness to also the simple life, right? Mm. Because we're very complicated <laughs> in the Western world, you know, and they are living on minimal things, but they are peaceful mm-hmm. and content, you know, and that's all because that's all they've known. That's how they've evolved and, and, and lived their life. So to be able to experience that, uh, it does. It's transformational. It's a completely different environment. Uh, and, and you know, I'm resonating with what you're saying. But you, you talked about baggage. You talked about um, adversity. People, everybody has a story. Um, and I, I want to invite you to be able to um, let us know a little bit about um, Alexandra and, you know, how you evolve. Because, you know, you've got a lot of knowledge and a lot of powerful wisdom and experience in, in what you what you share, but there would have been a lot of uh, experiences in the past that you've had to go through to get to where you are now. So yeah, what, what have you been through? Yeah, oh, oh boy. Uh, before I go there, I want to also mention regarding meditation because you saw your experience, right? You saw that it is possible to live on less and it is possible to live a life without all the distractions that we in the Western society, or at least outside of these temples, we, we experience. And at the same time, you just have to tune into your energy. A feminine energy likes movement. So dance, there is like Osho had movement meditation. Mm. Men are more still and men can go into meditation easier because meditation is actually a masculine practice. 
if we talk about Shiva and Shakti, right? The masculine principle is static, it's dead. But when the feminine principle comes in, life is created. She's movement, she's action. So when they both blend, the masculine and feminine, then you have a cosmic explosion of orgasmic states of life. So there's many things there. So tune into what works for you. I don't meditate. Like Vipassana meditation tells you an hour in the morning or an hour at night. I cannot do that. I'm too impatient sometimes. So what I do is I do gratitude exercises. I do thankfulness. I do forgiveness processes, which are small, five, 10 minutes, or I put frequency music before I sleep. And then I tune in. I love dancing. A feminine energy moves and tunes back in and, and centers itself through movement. So I dance around the house all the time. God may want to be still. I dance naked all the time. Like you have to tune into yourself without fear. And then to come back Sorry, to your... You know, I was just picturing you now. You <laughs> I, was pic I was just picturing you dancing. <laughs> I do. And I know that it may not be like, it's not specific dancing. It's just yeah. moving my body. But you turn are you turning some music on or are you just uh, creating yeah, no. creating sound in your head? Sometimes, depends. Because sometimes I wake up with songs in my head. Like I'm yeah. telling you, my it's, it's very, very active. Active, yeah. But I do, I do have many songs that I resonate with and it changes mood right to me music is medicine like to me my sexual energy and sex itself is medicine, medicine. and it can be right and music can be medicine music can put you down and, and be depressed and can be like wallowing your sorrow and music can lift you up and music can make you feel motivated and think about the workout music right which pumps you up and then there's like lovey-dovey music that makes you feel like pink and and all cotton candy inside so pick your medicine okay and can then, you just look I, I know i asked you about your story and i want to hear how you evolved but you said that sex is medicine in what context is sex medicine because it can also be a form of escapism and if yeah. people are unconscious of that um you know can you di differentiate the both you would need some practice in that. And for that, I always say explore. The biggest thing is always explore and observe the thoughts and emotions that happen and how you feel after, right? Because if you feel empty after, you feel regretful after, that clearly is not medicine. Sex to be a medicine should make you feel powerful in the sense of you're coming into your own power. And it should make you feel at peace and it should make you feel love and even have a spiritual connection with something higher than you and your partner with something beyond our physical material world. So for me, how I've discovered this was through Tantra and through slowing down and being present and recognizing how powerful this energy is because it heals me. And the sexual energy, like I said, is life force. So when I start putting that into healing parts of me, or when I open up in a space where I'm intimate with a partner, and I choose to say yes from the level of mind, my thoughts are present. I'm yes to this choice, and I don't think of anything else. From the level of emotions, my heart is open. And in that moment, I love this person. I'm not just physical or mental connected with them. I love them. 
It's scary to just be with someone from the first time and say you love them. But love doesn't have to be that thing that we imagine. It's like we have to wait a while to say I love you. That's your choice. But in within you can still love the person and emotionally open your heart and give love to them. And then you say yes from the physical aspect. Your body is ready. Your body is open. Your body is aroused. Now, a woman needs close to 40 minutes at times to be fully ready for penetration. But if she knows that, she can slow down in her intimate connection with her partner. She could request more um, foreplay in a sense of loving the body. She can request to look at the partner more and connect with the eyes. She could request to hear words um, compliments and things like that. They really tune into the heart, the mind, and the body. And when you come from that space, it's impossible not to have a healing moment or to feel your, your experiences medicine, because you're not just having a quickie and it's not just for the enjoyment of your body. Now you're going beyond. You're connecting with the being on a deeper level. And this starts again with your own connection because you know your body really well, you're open and you take that risk in a sense to fully be vulnerable, not just physically, because as a woman, I am opening myself to you physically and you get to penetrate my body, but you're in my heart, you're in my mind. Like in that moment, nothing else is, but the two of us in our connection. I've never experienced anything better than that when it comes to intimacy. And I don't dismiss quickies, those are good too, because sometimes you need a release. <laughs> and if you've had a crazy day, they're good for you to actually like uh, clean your battery in a sense and just like push all the energy out, mm -hmm. but don't make it a habit, right? Like one night stands, don't make it a habit. It's your choice again, if that works for you and it is a medicine for you, great. For me, it's not, I can't, I, I, I attach myself. <laughs> I have emotions and feelings and I've never been capable to have a one night stand because then I start connecting with the person. We, we talk, we see each other again. And I was like, okay, well, you can count this as a one night stand because you build a relationship, but you have to tune in and be very clear what works for you and what doesn't. And if you feel depleted, if you feel drained, if you feel empty, if you feel dirty, if you feel you've done something wrong, then you have to stop doing whatever you're doing. Mm. And you have to recalibrate. You have to look inward and, and ask yourself, what makes me feel that way? Is it because I think I may need sex, but mentally, emotionally, I'm not there? Is it because I don't want to be single, so I give my body, but I don't want to really? Like There are many layers within us that if we're not, again, present and aware of, it will affect us. So then sex turns into something bad and dirty and wrong and shameful. If you have shame in your sexuality, stop being physical with anyone and work on healing that part. Mm. Shame is the most destructive emotion you can have because guilt can help you get better. Guilt says you've done something wrong. Shame says you're wrong mm. for who you are, for just being you. Yeah. So shame, I, in my opinion, shame should not even exist. Mm. I hate when people say shame on you. Do not shame me. 
because I make my own choices and I live with the consequences. I take responsibilities of my consequences. Like if I made a choice and then it turned out not to be the best, I forgive myself for it. Okay, it was not a good decision, but I'll know better next time. Shame does not help anyone. And shame is full in our culture, in our religion, and you name it. And that's what keeps us hiding, fearful, and then having decisions that are making us worse than before. I had a thought yesterday. We have centers for recovery from drug, alcohol, mental illness. I thought I need to make a center for breakups and divorce and from like recovering from damaging experiences or wrong choices that you've taken. So you don't go doing that again. You go into a center that will support you from all the areas that I know, and then you can go out and continue dating or seeing someone or having sexual interaction when now you come from a healthy space. Yeah, but that's a great idea. And like, I mean, I've spoken about this many times because I strongly believe, and I know why I was attracting my previous relationships, because when I look at who I was, I well, I never took time. And I think about a lot of people who I know who have left one relationship and gone straight into another one. And basically all you're doing is you're attracting exactly what you are, right? And you're still holding on to that pain and resentment and negativity within you. And you're not giving yourself time to heal and to, yeah. you know, invest that time into yourself so that you can then attract a better, a better person in your life. And you're, you're speaking my language, like what you're saying is so powerful because for people to actually, it hurts, but, but that's the thing in the moment when you break up, you're in so much pain. And if you can have a rebound relationship, that person then becomes codependent and they give you what you want, which is comfort. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and, you're, and perpetuating, you're perpetuating that situation that's not healthy. So, uh, yeah, it's important for, for people to be aware of the power of actually, if you if you just broke up with someone, the best thing to do is be alone. Be alone mm-hmm. and bring those emotions and feelings to the surface and allow yourself time to heal uh, so that then you can, you know, not have just rebound and escapism by having sex with someone else, feeling like, oh, okay, I don't have to worry about that relationship anymore. Now I'm with someone else. So now I can focus on this. And you are, you're yeah. escaping, you're escaping your pain. You don't want to feel it. It doesn't feel good. Um, and to add to it, you said. Yeah, go. You, we don't have to be alone. Sometimes alone is tougher for people, especially after a heart heartache. I don't call it heartbreak anymore because your heart doesn't break. And if you don't like to be alone because you feel lonely when you're alone, which they're two different things, surround yourself with a support base, tribe, family, friends, but those again, who could get you to the healthy choices. Not those who tell you, oh, forget all about him. Let's just go out and find another dude you can hop on tonight. No, and you see that in movies so many times. No, that's not healthy. You surround yourself with your tribe who lets you bitch and cry and moan and hurt but they're there for you and they tell you that it's your time now so that's what i had the whole idea of like oh we need a recovery center because this we segue now into my story like my divorce was a mess i was married at 21 to 22 i was divorced at 25 
And it was so messy, financially, emotionally, physically. I could not recognize myself. Like I would look into the mirror and I was like, who is this person? I, I felt like I'm already, that's another thing people don't know, I'm an introvert who looks extrovert because in society I can be very outspoken and I can be very outgoing and I'm extroverted. But for me to recalibrate my energy, to tune back in, to heal, I need time alone. And that's an introvert. You, you, an extrovert feeds off of energy and then like they get a boost. An introvert gets a boost and they feed off of their own time. So I'm an introvert, like hundred percent introvert. And I felt even worse. Like I don't want to go out anymore after my divorce. I don't want to talk to people. I felt ugly because my last year and a half with my ex was so bad. Like I was bruised all over and he would tell me what a shitty person I am all the time. And he would swear at me and I felt so down. I still looked good because I'm blessed from the universe with good genes, but I didn't feel good. I would dress up nice and I would get compliments. And in my head, I'll be thinking, these people are crazy. I don't look good. I look in the mirror and I look shitty. I don't like myself. So that scared the hell out of me. I could not recognize that loving, kind, patient person I used to be. And I'm I'm very open to people until something bad happens. Like I'm, I'm outspoken and now I'm your friend and I communicate and I'm there for you. And then if it happens that someone hurts you or they take advantage of you, then I retreat, recalibrate. So I was so stressed out and I would cry days after days after days for no reason. Like I felt so down, like I was at the pit of a pit. Like I did not know how to get out. So I start dating, I start going out, I start hooking up with people. And after I feel so shitty, I would cry. Like I had an experience, which was one of the reasons why I kind of like start doing personal development is I go out with someone and he was really nice. And I have nothing to say against the guys that I was dating. It was all me because they dealt with what I was bringing to the table at the time, right? So even though I was maybe upset or angry with a guy, it was because he just dealt with what I was then. If I were to look back now, I wish someone would have said, hold your horses. This is not the time to go out. So I went out with someone, he was really nice and we had a great time and I went to his place and I knew him for a while. So I ended up sleeping with him. And by the end, it was night. He said, stay over, just sleep at my place. Cause I was driving from a, a city to another in, in Canada. And I stayed over that night and he was next to me sleeping and I was crying. Like I felt so shitty. I felt so empty. I felt so tired. And I was like, I can't, I can't be doing this. This is not right. Definitely my body does not feel good. My mind doesn't feel good. My heart doesn't feel good. So I need time. And that's when I started personal development. I read the Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins. And that changed my life because I put a lot of pressure on myself because of divorce. I come from a background where my family, my mom, my grandma are very religious. So divorce is a big no-no. And I came back to Romania. I lived in Canada at the time to tell my family I'm getting a divorce. And my dad told me, you go back and fix it. And I was like, I lived three years of torture with that guy who was insecure and I was bruised and 
I had many things I wouldn't share with people because I felt like it's shameful. Again, we come back to shame. You divorce, a lot of shame. You're a divorced woman at that age. So there was a lot of unpacking to do. And if I were to go even further back, I grew up in Romania and we lived in the village for a lot of my life till third grade. And then third grade, I was sent to school in the city, but not with my family. I was sent to some relatives. So I spent a lot of time on my own. So I became even more introverted and even more secluded. Uh, my dad was a heavy drinker and he would abuse us and he would cheat on my mom and he would hurt her and I would hear her cries. So I lived in fear a lot. My sister, on the other hand, I don't know if the impact on her is the same, but I have a lot, I had a lot of baggage from that childhood experience growing up, like having all kinds of situations happening. If I were to talk to, to my family right now, they get very, very upset about addressing this part. They can't, they can't deal with it. If I talk about it in public, because I feel a lot of people can resonate, they tell me you're airing your dirty laundry in public, you should not. So it's never good enough. So I developed this not good enough feeling. And then I end up in a marriage that mirrored my parents' marriage, even though I told myself for years, I'll never let a man treat me like my dad treats my mom. And I got into the same situation and I postponed and I postponed and I was at work and a friend of mine and my boss at the time, they're like, we think you need to get out. And I was like, but what the hell am I going to do? I'm in Canada with just his family. I had no family, no relatives, no friends because he didn't like me to have friends. Like, who am I talking on the phone with? Why am I dressing the way I'm dressing? Like, why am I staying at work till late at night? I was trying to get a promotion and I had to do certain tasks and work for me to prove myself at that work. So it was always an argument. I couldn't drive myself. I didn't have a car. Like it was very weird. And he was Romanian too, though I knew him since childhood and his family immigrated to Canada when we were 10. We reconnected and I thought, oh, my childhood sweetheart. It turned out to be a nightmare. And I, it took me four to five years to finally feel like oh, I came back to myself after my divorce. And then during that period, after my divorce with the personal development, with reading books, with listening to, to teachers, then I start recognizing I have baggage since my childhood. I have baggage since my teenage years. And I brought all that into a relationship with someone who had his own baggage. I did not understand his baggage. I did not understand my own goddamn baggage. So now put two people together. Who Most are young, people don't. Most people don't. Yeah. Right. And now you put two people together, grew up differently, had their own different experiences, had their own baggage. And now you want them to cohabitate, love each other endlessly, have great sexual experiences when no one taught them or talked to them about this. And then you're like, oh, divorce rate is 50%. No shit. <laughs> Sorry. But we put ourselves in situations that make these things happen. That's why I'm so focused on, we need to talk about sex, we need to talk about relationships, since a child is, is mature enough to understand 
We need to talk about our body and how we develop and why you feel certain sensations and feelings, not to learn from internet or from porn or from your friends who again don't know anything. And then to talk about the, the trauma that you've experienced and how that can impact you in your life because that can affect your success, that can affect your career, that can affect your social life. You bring all that with you anywhere you go. So the more you work on that and the more you, you process, heal, and forgive, the easier it would be for you to move forward in life and have the success that you want to have in any area of your life. So that's just like a little loop of the whole thing. Alexandra, the challenge that, I've, that I know of is when you're in the relationship and you're being physically abused, for example, why is it that it's not from the first instance that you wake up? There's actually reasoning in that moment for you to say, um, I can't go, I can't leave, even though I'm in so much pain, I'm hurting. I can't leave because of this and this and this. Um, maybe I did something wrong. You actually start to believe that maybe you did something in the relationship that you deserve that. Um, I mean, from male's point of view, when I hear something like that, I'm like, man, if, if, a, like if a person physically abused me in a relationship, I would show them the door the first day and say, see you later. Yeah, so and I thought, what hey. is it? What is it? Why do people stay? People are trying to find reasons as to why they cannot leave this person. I understand if you've got kids and all that kind of stuff. So you, it's not as easy. I get it. But still, a lot of people tend to stay in these kind of physical abusive relationships for like the next five years until they then have enough and they go, oh, my God, this is I can't do this anymore. Yeah, we're touching on a on a sensitive subject because everyone has their own experience in this. Right. And while I was growing up, being beaten by my dad was discipline. And I did something wrong. So when I did something wrong, I got a beating. But it wasn't like a smack over the bum or like he had a belt and hit me once. No, it was like a severe beating. Like I remember, and, and it was, I think, correlated with the fact that he was drinking. So his behavior was different. But I remember we would play, like my sister is five years younger than me, but we would play with him. He would drink, he would like shoot the shit, we would throw a ball or whatever, we would poke at each other. And in a flip of a second, he would change. He would like laugh with us, smack, like laugh, push, whatever, how kids are, right? And then out of the sack, the nowhere, he would be like, stop doing that. And we were having fun, like to us. That's like a tease, right? Stop doing that. Stop tickling me or I'm going to smack you. And then you did it again one more time because you didn't think it's real. Like we were just laughing a second ago and then you're grabbed or you're, you're like told or pushed and do, don't do that. And now you're like, what just happened? Like it was a, a short circuit. That's how I can explain it. It was a short circuit. It's like, what the hell? So now next time you're playing, you're a little more defensive. You're not giving in fully because when is the shoe gonna drop you know and then growing up I had a boyfriend I fell in love at 15 it was like the biggest most intense love I've had and the hardest heartache I've ever had 
and he wasn't living in the village or the city I lived in so he would visit every few months and one night I remember I wanted to go see him he was coming from the train station I was my cousin my dad was in the kitchen my mom was visiting her sister in Germany my my cousin's brother was there they were drinking the men were drinking so we went and said hey dad I'm going to my cousin's house which was two houses away and her brother says oh why you want to wait for the boy to come and that was it like the whole like all all hell broke loose and he's like no you're not going anywhere go upstairs you go home I don't want to see you and I could tell he's drunk so I told my cousin okay let's not like we already learned our lessons I was 16 I went upstairs and I just went out the window they're in the kitchen we also had a bar so someone was serving alcohol there and stuff like that so I was just like watching out the window people coming from the train station and he did not pass by. So I thought maybe he's not coming at this hour. He's gonna come at the next train. By the time I got out of the window, I closed one set of windows because Romania had two sets. I locked the first one. And when I locked the second one, my dad walked in the door in the other room. In a split second, he crossed both rooms, grabbed me by my hair and threw me into the other room. I like, I couldn't feel my head. Like I'll, I'll never forget that beating that I got at 16 because I was on the window watching people pass by. Next day, he came and pulled me at the window to show me the guy was just coming at that hour. And I was like, you just beat the hell out of me the day before. And now you come to show me this? Guy? Like, I was so confused. So I grew up very fearful. I had a lot of insecurities about what I did wrong or right all the time. I think I developed a not good enough complex a lot. And I mirrored that probably through trying really hard. So now those people who are good at sniffing that insecurity out, they'll prey on it. And if your energy, even though you may not be aware of it, shows that or gives that off, you will attract people who feed off of you because people who think they're not good enough, they will treat you like a fucking king. They will go over and beyond to make you feel loved and feel good and feel cared for because they wanna prove themselves. They constantly wanna prove themselves. So try that in everything I did at school, at work, with friends, with partners, because I had that, that insecurity that it was built and was taught and maybe created. So in the relationship, I was never like my ex never beat me like my dad would, would hurt my mom, but he would grab me and he would push me and shove me. He would push me off the bed. He would push me off the couch. He would grab and, and pull me away. So I was just bruised by that. But my mom actually was physically harmed. And I always thought, why is she staying? Like, why would she stay? I would never stay. And her reasoning was, I didn't want the kids to grow up without a father. Now, if I think about it, we probably would have been healthier mentally without the father who abused us a lot of years. But then I end up in my marriage and I start getting the abuse. And I thought, well, it's not that big of a deal. I can handle him and I can manage him. And he's also insecure. That's why he's behaving this way. So maybe again, I have to show him he has no worry. He doesn't have to fear I'm leaving him. I need to show him I love him and he won't do this again. Like it was a reasoning in my mind. 
until one day he did want to punch me. And that's when I was, that's it. No, like I stayed long enough and clearly with no result because I wasn't equipped to deal with his things, not to mention my things. So I made that choice to separate and I called his mom and I said, if you don't bring him home, I'm going to call the cops because I can't deal with this. They hated me. They said I got married to go to Canada and I never loved him. And like, I was the, 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 the one to blame. Mm. And no one knows the true feelings and experiences I've had. And he accused me of cheating and he accused me. Yes, I did. After two years or so, I've made decisions that I'm not proud of after, but I justify them by, well, you call me all kinds of things. So I might as well, instead of just saying, well, I should just go out because clearly this is not working, but I didn't want to give up. Like, how can I, I'm going to go back home to Romania with my tail between my legs. I failed. Oh my God. I could not fail. My dad that does not allow failure. And when I went to tell them I'm getting a divorce, his thing was go back and fix it. I don't care what you do. You do not get a divorce. And I'm thinking I'm harmed. How could you not want me to be away from that? But again, he comes from a different culture and my mom stayed with him for 27 years. She divorced him after my divorce. She got inspired by you? In a way. And I think he also felt that I made her take that choice. So now he didn't like the fact. I remember my mom said, your dad said, oh, now that your daughter is 25, getting a divorce all alone in a country by herself, you decide to do the same. Yeah. But as a child, I would never want to know these things about my parents because now you're taking sides Mm. and that's another drama and trauma that you're adding when my dad found out that i had sex for the first time called us all kinds of names my mom told me again i mean she felt close to us to share because she probably felt alone and abused too but then i had different experiences and i looked at my dad differently my own dad calls me names. My own dad treats me this way. My own dad talks about me this way. So what I did is I always wanted to prove to him that I'm not what he thinks or that I'm better, that I'm good. So I was so depleted and, and like tired and stressed. And I would call them from Canada and I was crying. After I would hang up the phone, I'd cry. Like I felt so belittled all the time. I was not good for what I did. It was always, you could do better, you could do better, you could do better. In a way, it could be good to have some challenges to push you a little bit, right? But then challenges to extreme, just build more insecurities. And then you deal with becoming a victim. You can be stuck in the victim mentality. You could have a judge. Apparently we have the judge and the victim inside of us. The judge always criticizes what you do. You're never good enough. The victim always wants approval and validation from the judge, which will never receive. So now you're screwed all around. So when I made that choice of healing after my divorce, I was doing a meditation. I have incense all over and I'm doing a forgiveness meditation. And I'm saying, I'm going to do a meditation right before bed to forgive my ex for all the things he said, all the things he's done to me. And of course, he came back to Romania and spread all kinds of rumors and gossip and all kinds of shit about me. Because of course, he couldn't admit his own um, responsibility. He just put it on me. So I do this meditation. I do the forgiveness process and I go to bed and I fall asleep. 
that night I dream about arguing with my dad heavily to the point I wake up crying. I'm like, oh, that's strange. I dream about my parents and they're like weird dreams anyway, because I have remember pretty much 99% of my dreams, but I didn't pay attention. A week or two after I do again, the forgiveness process with my ex and I go to bed and I dream about my dad and my mom arguing, me being in the middle and being torn in between trying to maintain the peace. And I wake up crying again. I was like, there's something there. The forgiveness process has to go deeper. There's something that is not like related to my ex, not even to my first boyfriend who kind of ripped my heart out. This comes back to my childhood, to my parents, where I felt my dad probably never loved us and he was very harsh and mean, where at times I would even blame my mom for staying so long with him and thinking, what kind of woman are you? Because I didn't fully grasp or understand her either. And I'm in the middle where my mom talks shit about my dad. My dad talks shit about my mom. My sister heard a bit too, but my sister picked sides. Immediately she moved in and left with my mom at some point. But I'm, I'm the older sister, so I always try to maintain the peace and I've just suffered for it. Because you can't, like when people don't deal with their own trauma and their own trauma, you just get bombarded from all sides. And at one point I was having issues with my sister, my mom, my dad. I was so, so tormented dealing with divorce. I got a car accident. When my divorce was final, six months after, I got a car accident. I rolled off a highway in Toronto. I was 25. I was like, I'm gonna die. Like there is nothing I could do. The car was sliding on ice. I started spinning. I hit the rail and I just rolled off in, in a ditch. And I thought, I'm done. My life is over. I haven't spoke with my family in months because it was like very, very um, stressful with the divorce. I don't think we've expressed love to each other. My mom would probably be very hurt, but who the heck would know to tell them? Because I had no one in Canada that knew about my family or spoke Romanian. And then I thought, what do I leave behind me? Like, what have I done with my life? Just put myself in situations that don't serve me or serve others. When I got out of that car, because I landed back on my wheels and there was snow all over me, it was February, and I barely got out of the car and I like looked and the highways like somewhere up there, I started bawling my eyes out. And then a trucker helped me get out and call the cops because I was like hyperventilating. My car was new, was bought in December. In that moment, I'm like, I can't, I cannot go on like this. I cannot blame myself for divorce. I cannot hold on to all that drama and all the baggage and I have to do something about it. So that was the journey I started 11 years ago. And it wasn't easy at times. And even today, my family doesn't necessarily relate or understand the things I do, especially when it comes to relationship or sexuality, because it's taboo. It's, it's a country that doesn't talk about these things, though we're more sexualized or sexual than Western world. So it's, it's weird, it's a weird combo. But I learned how to cope with them and I learned how to communicate and I learned to recognize they will not tune into everything I do. They'll never understand it. I was already a weird child who had its own little mind and I would have my own imagination. And people always told me to stay there. Don't talk this way. Don't ask too many questions. And I'm always asking questions. But why this? But why this way? But why not this? Who says that? 
like I'm always questioning things. So that's if if anyone were to take any message after all the things that we shared is question everything and experience and explore things for yourself because no one lives your life for you. And if you want to have a great experience in this life, you don't have to change the whole world. You just have to impact one person. One person who will think, thanks to Alexandra, my life is better. Or one person who will say, seeing how Alexandra lives makes me want to live better. Because I'm not going to tell you how to live. I'm not in your life. I don't know who you are, how you live your life internally. But I can show you there is a different way. There's other possibilities. There are other opportunities that you can take as long as you choose you first. And don't shame yourself for choosing you. Reframe selfish. Reframe it to the fact that you're able to take care of yourself in the presence of others. You can be selfish and still compassionate. You can be selfish and still care about others. You can take care of yourself first because otherwise you won't be able to help others, take care of others, or support others in any way. When you're drained, do you have the energy to actually do something for others or be in that state of mind where you're patient and understanding? No, you're probably snapping at people. You're probably angry, frustrated. You need alone time. You need to sleep. You need to eat. You need. So you have to have your, your glass always full and overflowing. And what overflows gives to others. Absolutely. That way you never be depleted, right? Because you give from excess. You don't give from yourself. You give to yourself and then your excess goes on to others. Absolutely. You were touching on something that I was intuitively feeling like you actually knew what I was going to ask you next, but but you didn't quite get that. You were so close. And I was like, Ooh. damn, I'm not even going to have to ask her this. She's actually going down the, the road where I'm going. But then you didn't continue on. And it was about forgiveness in terms of forgiving your dad. And have you actually gone down that road of being able to reconcile or communicate or uh, even just for yourself um, to go, you know what, I need to let this go. I need to forgive him and that those experiences, because obviously, you know, it can be a blockage. Yeah. And I feel like my relationship with my dad was a huge, a huge point of how I dealt with men in my life. My mistrust in men comes from there it's I'm absolutely clear about that all the it's like I'm always loving and open but then I always wait for the next shoe to drop when are you going to screw me over when are you going to lie to me when are you going to show me your true colors because I'm I bet you're hiding something I had that mentality for a very long time about men and about my relationship so to answer your question yes my I still have a relationship with my dad with my mom with my sister is not what it used to be. Like I used to be very close with my sister. It's not the same. She's married. I got into a bit of an altercation with her men. So then the relationship shifted. My mom and I are closer because my mom is a more warm person. She's a lot more open and vulnerable with people and emotional. But my mom manipulates through emotions. So I have to be very careful because she guilt trips you (laughs) about things. With my dad, I tried many times to have a full-on conversation about all the hurt that I experienced from him. He doesn't like it. 
he shuts down, hangs up the phone on me, closes off Zoom, like he can't, he can't deal with it because he cannot deal with his own little thing. I know a bit about his history and his childhood, not everything because he doesn't share, he's very closed off, but I know he's experienced both parents being alcoholics and heavy drinkers and fighting intensely. So clearly he's had his own trauma that he's brought with him. But I did have a conversation a couple of years ago and I got to share, I learned how to communicate with him. That's where the understanding of men and women comes. I learned how to communicate with him without him shutting down. So um, not putting blame onto people anymore. You made me feel this way. You made me feel this way. You said this, you did that. I would take it onto me. So I felt this way. I thought this. So now it's my experience. And this way he can see what I'm going through. So I remember that time he was having tears in his eyes. And even though I had a little doubt, because I, I know my dad is pretty good at like portraying certain characters. I'm like, is he honest? Is he truthful now? But he had tears in his eyes and he said to me, you've been through all these things in life, but you don't know what I've been through. And I said, you're right. I don't know, because you're not telling me. And he said, if you knew, and you just make me now think of all this stuff and, and think of things I didn't even want to think of anymore. And I said, but through that, you're going to get to heal and you're going to get to have a different experience with me or different. I can listen because I would love to know more what's inside of you. And I know he has many demons that he's trying really hard to fight and shut down through his drinking. But as a daughter, every time I would tell my parents something, they'll be like, now children start teaching you things. Because in our culture, the parents are always above the children. Children don't teach parents things, even though I may have more knowledge and experience comprised in my, my young years. So that was one breakthrough with him. And now I've been in Romania for a year and a half, and he's had COVID, and he had to go to the hospital. And he talks to my sister a lot more. My sister is really good at tuning into people's uh, need, but that unhealthy need. So she calls him all the time. She has a child now. So they connect a lot. And he tells me, you barely call. I'm a different person. I don't, I don't call you every day. Because if I call you, I want to make sure I have what to talk to you about. I cannot tell you. Like our life now here in Romania is the same every day. What can I tell you? I don't have a child to tell you new things. But if he had COVID, I was at the hospital every day, brought him things, give him stuff. And in a sense, I feel like I've gone through a huge forgiveness with him and about him and about me because they're still my parents. He's still my dad. I'll love him. Yeah. Even though it's going to feel odd at times or we have a, a cold, weird way of expressing emotion, and another breakthrough with him was after I told him things and he hung up on me, I called him and he said, are you calm down now? And I said, no, I'm not. And you're not gonna hang up and still listen to me. And after he did that, he said, you know what? We're two alike. And I say, you're right. In some ele elements, we're very alike. So we, we can butt heads very easily. I said, that's why you should get me more because I am like you. But at the same time, I work through things that you did not have the courage to work through. His inner world is probably so tormented that he doesn't want to deal with it. Mm -hmm. So that's one thought I have always is compassion. Compassion because probably he's suffering. 
yeah. a lot more than I am or that I've seen him suffer because he's good at hiding it, right? Yeah. So I forgave a lot. And at the same time, I go into that conversation. You don't have to stay around people who are not healthy for you. Mm. So I don't live with him, even though I had the chance. Um, I don't see him every day because he's very critical. He's very judgmental. And it's he's close to 50 years, 60 years old now. So it's tough to change a person or to help him change habits and routines that he's so embedded in. So I don't put myself in situations that will make me feel worse. And if I communicate, I learned how to communicate where we still have a good communication. We still have a good, decent relationship. It's not the ideal I would love to have with my father, but considering the situation I'm in, it's pretty good. Yeah. Well, yeah, you've come a long way and it's not easy to do that, but um, it's really powerful what you're, you're, you're doing and how you're continuing to still be able to have a little bit of a relationship. And, and your, your awareness is uh, really to the fact that Alexandra is uh, very different and that she has an open mind and she shows compassion and understanding. And she knows that she doesn't have to try to change anyone. She just has to show up as her authentic self which is really, really powerful. But I wanted to quickly just ask you uh, a, a one question about sexual transmutation. I don't know if you've heard of this, but I read about it in Napoleon's Think and Grow Rich. And I know we touched on sex before, but I just, this is again, sexual. That's from what, when I read it and I understood it, uh, it's about sexual energy. It's about, you know, being uh, aware of the person that you actually connect with, especially if it's, if you're not in a relationship or even if you are in a relationship, that that you're receiving good energy from them and can you go deeper into that into your understanding because i'm sure you really um can dissect that a little bit more yeah and i read the same book too and i always thought it's interesting how they focus a lot on the the masculine in the book right he talks about the man and he talks about how a man can can use that into his benefit Anyone can do this, right? Sexual transmutation doesn't matter the gender you're in or the sexual orientation. This is something that anyone can experience and can do. And it, to me, it comes back to what I've said. Sexual energy is life force. So now that life force, you, you can look at it beyond the limits of sex, right? You can feel sexual energy without being in a sexual experience. You can experience giving and receiving this energy by just opening up your arousal, opening up your attraction and opening up your energy flow. And you can put this energy into anything else in your life because sexual energy is creative energy. Like I said, we come into life through this energy. So you birth you don't have to be a woman to birth children only. This energy allows you to birth anything that can be birthed, a project, a situation, an opportunity, because to me really is the most magnetic energy out there. And now if you think of the transmutation, right? You not only can exchange this energy with someone, um, phone sex. Phone sex to me in itself is being able to share energy with someone miles away, 
right? Because you don't have to be physical or close to someone to feel or exchange certain energies. You could do that in your dream state. Talk about lucid dreaming. You could do that whenever you want to, but you have to be very aware of your energy and you have to tune into that energy without fear. At the same time, we have to be again aware and mindful not to have this energy open constantly and receive like, you know, like a channel of information, right? You receive and give. Sometimes you want to expand, but sometimes you want to contract to be your energy as a protective layer around you because there are such things as vampire um, energy vampires, right? Who can feed off your own energy and then you feel depleted. So you have to work with your energy and learn how to use that energy. Yeah. So the, yeah. The, the thing that I want to just, I want you to um, point on if you can, is the understanding of be mindful of who it is that you're actually having sex with. Because if mm -hmm. they have bad energy, if they have pain, trauma, they've been through that unhealed, for example, and you are, and you're not aware of it, and they've got, a, they're playing a facade, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to take on, like, take on their energy, that you're going to take on their, their pain. Yep. So and just to make it clearer, so for people who maybe don't understand, or maybe they've heard sexual transportation for the first time. Um, I believe this energy is very intuitive. If you're around people, have you ever experienced or anyone listening, have you experienced you just met someone for a split second or they came next to you or they just look at you and you had this hit, I like this person, or you had this feeling, man, I don't know what's about this person, but I don't like them. They didn't say a word to you or they just said hi and they introduced themselves with a smile on their face and you're like, I don't like this person. And you can kick yourself. It's like, how can I be this way? How can I think this way? Why wouldn't I like this person? I don't know anything about them. It's not that you don't like them. You just picked up on a vibe. You picked up on an energy. You picked up on something that is an alert to you. And it says, oh, oh pay attention. Watch out, right? So how often do we tap into that? How often do we listen to that? As a woman, because I, I cannot speak from a male's perspective, maybe you tune into that after, but as a woman, I can be around both men and women. And if I open up my energy, even if you guys know what chakras are, right? Your sexual energy resides into your second chakra, which is your sacral chakra. Your root chakra, it's your first, it's at the base, it's right at your genitals that grounds you and it can be connected with the second. So the first and the second can kind of pick up on stuff. And when you're open and you open those energy centers, I can tell who's going to be a good connection for me and who's not going to be a good connection for me. And if I take it a step further and I don't listen to that energy hit, and let's say I become physical with a man, my body will tell me I get an itch, I get a sting, I get a smell that I don't like, like something that triggers my body and says, okay still not good for you. So now we have to come back again to your awareness of you're around someone, you play with this energy. If you choose to still go ahead and be physical and have sexual intercourse or you have a sexual experience with someone, you want to be a little bit protected because you can do that. We can have a layer of protection around us and not let 
as much information or as much as energy from someone else come in. And how I do that is I always imagine that I either like there's certain practices, but either you're bathed in gold light or silver light, and it's either a divine connection or it's a connection from the ground. The earth has a very strong, powerful energy and it's very protective. So you could be, I'm with the feet on my ground, I'm connecting with the earth energy and I am like surrounded by a silver layer of energy that does not block me from receiving or giving love or good energy, but it blocks all the negative things. And then the same, the spiritual connection can be gold light, it's more divine energy, and then again, it's the same. It's like your skin, right? It doesn't, like skin still breathes and allows perspirationalized things to come in and out. But you could think of that layer of protection as protecting you from the other things that you don't want inside, either energetically, mentally, emotionally, physically, you name it. And then after, if you recognize your body wasn't feeling great, or maybe you now learned that this person is very unhealthy or toxic, you could do your own cleanse, energetic cleanse with smoke cleanse, breath with, again, meditation. So you mm -hmm. choose the tool that works for you yeah. because it's not like a bath, right? You go take a shower and you cleanse your outer body. There's also things you, cl you cleanse internally, like a cleanse, a juice cleanse, a diet or whatever to cleanse your organs. But as a woman, how often do we cleanse down there? And I'm not talking about washing inside there because it's not healthy, not necessarily unless your doctor tells you. We are a self-cleaning organism anyway, and your, your generals know how to take care of themselves, but energetically you pull in a lot of things. You, you connect with people, you have cords, you have attachments. So you have to time from time to time do an, an energy cleanse and release all the things that you're holding in. In Bali, I loved the water cleanses. They're like physical, but also spiritual. And you imagine, again, you just imagine your, your mind is powerful. You can imagine so many things, visualize yourself being cleansed and like radiating from inside out, radiate your own energy. Your energy is your medicine. So think of a rose or a bowl of fire in your heart and expand it through your body up and down and then expand it out and repel everything that doesn't serve you. And now you're shining. So you just have to find your tool. Alexandra, uh, I have to tell you that um, your wisdom and your knowledge uh, and everything that you shared today is, uh, is so profound and uh, very distinct as well. And, and I just want to recognize you for uh, your resilience and for, uh, you know, your journey of, you know, not giving up on yourself and, uh, and, and continuing to persevere uh, for, for you, because I know that there's many people's lives that are changing because of your work, because of your inspiration, because you decided to say yes uh, and you know, heal yourself and and continue to push forward. Uh, so I just want to recognize you for that because you're not only being an inspiration to me right now, uh, but also to the many people that are going to hear this podcast. Um, and it's really been a blessing to just connect with you and hear your story uh, because I know that there's so much meant. There's so much more from you to come. You know, I know you've evolved into this amazing woman that you are now, but 
who I see Alexandra being in five or 10 years time is phenomenal, you know, and the world needs you. Thank you. And thank you for having me. And thank you to anyone listening. And I want everyone to remember we're not alone in this. They can connect with your podcast. They can connect with you on social media and see you do your own work and your own growth and your own transformation. And I think that's what's great. Um, I appreciate you saying all those things about me, but I wouldn't be where I am now if I didn't have some people supporting me or people along the journey that showed me. Because sometimes when you're, you're in your own world, you may not see you, right? So sometimes coming from the outside and someone tells you, you actually do have all this capacity and all this Im immense power that's just there for the taking mm. if you choose. Yes. You just have to choose you. So make that choice today. Absolutely. That's so powerful. Um, Alexandra, where can people find you? Do you have a website, your Instagram I do have a website. It's alexandramu.com. It's my first last name, but you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on TikTok. You can find me on Facebook and YouTube, all with the same name with a little shift. Alexandra has two X's on social media because there are many Alexandras out there. So I'm Alex. It's like double X, the X-rated version. So I'm Alexandra <laughs> nice. Mew, but with two X's well, on I'll leave your details uh, in the in the uh, description in the podcast, so people can just click on it and uh, and and connect with you. But um, Alexandra, as I mentioned, it's been a blessing. I'm so grateful for your time uh, and for you sharing everything that you shared. It was absolutely amazing, uh, and I look forward to supporting your journey, cheering for you, and hopefully meeting you one day in person, maybe on stage, um, in the future. So um, let's stay in touch and, uh, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Sure. Thank you. The biggest investment that you can make in your life is in yourself. Work harder on yourself than you do on your job. Remember, you are not your past. You are not your trauma. You are not your parents. You are you. And today is the day that you grow a little more love yourself a little more and believe in yourself a little bit more. You matter and I'm so proud of you for taking this time to invest in yourself by tuning into my podcast. Every single action step counts towards your transformation and happiness. Don't forget to share this podcast episode with your friends and even on your Instagram or Facebook stories and tag me also. Your feedback means the world to me. So leave a review on the Apple Podcast platform. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. And for more info on my motivational life coaching, simply click the link in the show notes or visit lukemindpower.com. Book your 30-minute complimentary power session with me today and let's get your life back on track. That's all for now, guys. Have an amazing day. And remember, you are powerful and I believe in you. See you soon.